Chapter Thirty One of Black Jack by Max Brand. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The first thing the people in Pollard's big house knew of the return of the two was a voice singing faintly and far off in the stable. They could hear it because the door to the big living room was open, and Kate Pollard, who had been sitting idly at the piano, stood up suddenly and looked around her. It did not interrupt the crap game of the four at one side of the room, where they kneeled in a close circle. But it brought Big Pollard himself to the door in time to meet Denver Pete as the latter hurried in. When Denver was excited, he talked very nearly as softly as he walked, and his voice tonight was like a contented humming. It worked, was all he said to Pollard, as he came through the door. They exchanged silent grips of the hands. Then Kate drew down on them, as if a mysterious signal had been passed to them by the subdued entrance of Denver. The four rose at the side of the room. It was Pollard who forced him to talk. What happened? A pretty little party, said Denver. His purring voice was so soft that to hear him the others instantly drew close. Kate Pollard stood suddenly before him. "'Terry Hollis has done something,' she said. "'Denver, what has he done?' "'Him? Nothing much. To put it in his own words, he just played scavenger for the town, and he done it in a way they won't be forgetting for a good long day. "'Denver.' "'Well, no need acting up, Kate.' "'Who was it? Ever meet young Larimer?' She shuddered. "'Yes.' A beast of a man. Sure, worse than a beast, maybe. Well, he's carrying now, to use Terry's words again. Wait a minute, cut in big blonde Phil Marvin. Don't spoil the story for Terry. But did he really do for Larimer? Larimer was a neat one with a gun. No good otherwise. Did he do for Larimer? echoed Denver in his purring voice. Oh, man, man, did he do for Larimer. And I ain't spoiling his story. He won't talk about it. Wouldn't open his face about it all the way home. A pretty neat play, boys. Larimer was looking for a rep, and he wanted to make it on Black Jack's son. Came tearing in. At first Terry tried to sidestep him. Made me weak inside for a minute because I thought he was going to take water. Then he got riled a bit, and then, wang, it was all over. Not a body shot. No, boys. Nothing clumsy and amateurish like that, because a man may live to empty his gun at you after he's been shot through the body. This young Hollis pals just up and drills Larimer clean between the eyes. If you'd have measured it off with a ruler, you couldn't have hit exact center any better than he done. Then he walks up and stirs Larimer with his toe to make sure he was dead. Cool as hell. You lie, cried the girl suddenly. They whirled at her and found her standing and flaming at them. "'You hear me say it, Kate,' said Denver, losing a little of his calm. "'He wasn't as cool as that. After killing a man, he wasn't.' "'All right, honey. Don't you hear him singing out there in the stable? Does that sound as if he was cut up much?' "'Then you made him a murderer. You, Denver, and you, Dad. Oh, if there's a hell, you're going to travel there for this, both of you.' "'As if we had anything to do with it,' exclaimed Denver innocently. "'Besides, it wasn't murder. 
It was plain self-defense. Nothing but that. Three witnesses to swear to it. But my, my, you should hear the town rave. They thought nobody could beat Larimer. The girl slipped back into her chair again and sat with her chin in her hands, brooding. It was all impossible. It could not be. Yet there was Denver, telling his story, and far away the clear baritone of Terry Hollis, singing as he cared for El Sangre. She waited to make sure, waited to see his face and hear him speak close at hand. Presently the singing rang out more clearly. He stepped out of the barn. Oh, my friar of orders gray, through hill and valley I take my way. My long bead roll I merrily chant, wherever I wander, no money I want. And as the last word rang through the room, Terry Hollis stood in the doorway, with his saddle and bridle hanging over one strong arm and his gun and gun belt in the other hand. And his voice came cheerily to them in greeting. It was impossible, more impossible than ever. He crossed the room, hung up his saddle, and found her sitting near. What should he say? How would his color change? In what way could he face her with that stain in his soul? And this was what Terry said to her. I'm going to teach El Sangre to let you ride him, Kate. By the Lord, I wish you'd been with us going down the hill this morning. No shame, no downward head, no remorse. And he was subtly and strangely changed. But she could not put the difference into words. But his eye seemed larger and brighter. It was no longer possible for her to look deeply into it, as she had done so easily the night before. And there were other differences. He held his head in a more lordly fashion. About every movement there was a singular ease and precision. He walked with a lighter step and with a cat-like softness almost as odd as that of Denver. His step had been light before, but it was not like this. But through him and about him there was an air of uneasy, alert happiness, as of one who steals a few perfect moments, knowing that there will not be many. A great pity welled in her, and a great anger. It was the anger which she showed. Terry Hollis, what have you done? You're looking me in the eye. You ought to be hanging your head. You've done murder. Murder! Murder! She let the three words ring through the room like three blows, cutting the talk to silence. And all save Terry seemed moved. He was laughing down at her, actually laughing, and there was no doubt as to the sincerity of that mirth. His presence drew her and repelled her. She became afraid for the first time in her life. A little formality with a gun, he said calmly. A dog got in my way, Kate, a mad dog. I shot the beast to keep it from doing harm. Ah, Terry, I know everything. I've heard Denver tell it. I know it was a man, Terry. He insisted carelessly. By the Lord, Kate, only a dog and a mad dog at that. Perhaps there was a body of a man, but there was a soul of a dog inside the skin. Tut, it isn't worth talking about. She drew away from him. Terry, God pity you. I pity you, she went on hurriedly and faintly. But you ain't the same any more, Terry. I'm almost afraid of you. He tried laughingly to stop her, and in a sudden burst of hysterical terror, she fled from him. Out of the corner of her eye she saw him come after her, light as a shadow. 
and the shadow leaped between her and the door. The force of her rush drove her into his arms. In the distance she could hear the others laughing. They understood such a game as this and enjoyed it with all their hearts. Ah, the fools! He held her lightly, his fingertips under her elbows. For all the delicacy of that touch, she knew that if she attempted to flee, the grip would be iron. He would hold her where she was until he was through talking to her. Don't you see what I've done? He was saying rapidly. You wanted to drive me out last night. You said I didn't fit, that I didn't belong up here. Well, Kate, I started out today to make myself fit to belong to this company of fine fellows. He laughed a little. If it were not real mirth, at least there was a fierce quality of joy in his voice. You see, I decided that if I went away I'd be lonely. Particularly, I'd be lonely as the devil, Kate, for you. You've murdered to make yourself one of us? Tush, Kate. You exaggerate entirely. Do you know what I've really done? Why, I've wakened. I've come to my senses. After all, there was no other place for me to go. I tried the world of good, ordinary working people. I asked them to let me come in and prove my right to be one of them. They discharged me when I worked honestly on the range. They sent their professional gunmen and bullies after me. And then I reached the limit of my endurance, Kate, and I've struck back. And the mockery of it all is this, that though they have struck me repeatedly and I have endured it, I, having struck back a single time, am barred from among them forever. Let it be so. Hush, Terry. I'm going to think of ways. You couldn't. Last night, yes. Today I'm a man, and I'm free, and freedom is the sweetest thing in the world. There's no place else for me to go. This is my world. You're my queen. I've won my spurs. I'll use them in your service, Kate. Stop, Terry. By the Lord, I will, though I'm happy, don't you see? And I'm going to be happier. I'm going to work my way along until I can tell you that I love you, Kate, that you're the daintiest body of fire and beauty and temper and gentleness and wisdom and fun that was ever crowned with the name of a woman. And... But under the rapid fire of his words, there was a touch of hardness, mockery, perhaps. She drew back, and he stepped instantly aside. She went by him through the door with bowed head, and Terry, closing it after her, heard the first sob. End of chapter 31